I got friends only wanna talk business. I got expenses, cause when is expensive. I got expenses, cause when is expensive. I've been out of work. Welcome to Put That Copy Down, the Freight Sales Show for Closers. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm your host, and I'm live on location at Ryder here in Fort Worth, Texas. I have David Stone right here. He's a senior director of brokerage, and we're going to talk about this cool office, these cool TVs, the cool team down here sending booking freight right now, and then we're going to talk about the market a little bit. Let's do it. Thanks for uh, inviting me and and. Let me uh, drop by the offices. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for showing up and checking this place out. It's gonna yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah, and there's gonna be some cool B-roll flying through here as we're talking that we've been recording today. Um, so first off, what do we have here down here on this floor? Yeah, super excited for you guys to to be able to check this place out. But the Fort Worth location is about eighty account executives plus support folks. Uh, we also have our location in Nashville that uh, right now is about 40 people. We'll ramp that one up pretty significantly here in the coming months and years. Uh, and then we have another location up in uh, Novi, Michigan. But what you're looking at right now uh, is 80 account executives, hard at work, traditional brokerage. Uh, you got folks uh, up and about on the phones, uh, just uh, having a lot of fun down there. So you have the music down there. You have the, the college paraphernalia down there. I see some. I thought I saw some Sooners here. Yeah, there's there's a few that we've allowed in here. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, for us, it's all about creating this environment where people can feel free, can feel a part of something, can feel a community connection. If you go down there and and check out every single row has their own team flag. And so we're really Mm -hmm. big into that team atmosphere of allowing folks to feel like they're a part of that team, even though they're in the bigger team of, of the brokerage side of things. So um, but we're we're really big in in meeting people where they're at, and folks want to come in, and they want to feel like they're uh, they're a part of this community environment. And they want to feel like they're doing something great. And oh, by the way, they're, they're able to to do some pretty cool things on the freight side yeah. of things too. So yeah, you got the World Cup. Today's the opening day. Absolutely. I guess it started last night. Yeah. But today's the opening day. And, and you know, talking about being part of a team, being free. You know, being a freight broker is all about creativity. It's all about in a lot of respects, letting go, yeah. whether you're on the phone selling, because it's such a hard sell, you just gotta, you, you just gotta be free a little bit, right? Or yeah. booking loads, negotiating carriers, you have to be loose and relaxed. Yeah, right? and, and and I think about it this way. I mean, you know, if you if you think about when somebody comes in here, number one, they're they're super nervous and they're super scared. If we're you know we're bringing in folks that have never experienced freight in certain aspects, right? Uh, they don't know anything about this, and so they walk into this sales based environment. Um, they're, uh, they're nervous about just picking up the phone and calling. So how do I, how do I create that environment where it's not a nervous piece to pick up the phone and call? Well, I create an environment like you see down there. And I, I tell the story all the time. One of my best salespeople of all time used to walk around with a nine iron acting like he's on the golf course the entire time. And by the way, he's on the phone talking with customers, talking with carriers, doing whatever he took, whatever he needed to do to, to, to really make the sale or handle the carrier issue. Uh, but he was 100% just at home, just uh, acting like he's on the golf course. You have to be comfortable. That's exactly you, right. No matter what it is, you have to be able to, to be in your comfort zone yeah. because certainly in, in the game of freight, you have no's, right? right? No one likes to hear no's, so you have to be comfortable with hearing no's and whatever you're doing, if you're comfortable, you know, if you have a golf golf club, baseball bat, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, we got those know, down there too. We got know, those. I used to have to be comfortable and then especially if you're new in freight. I remember when I was new in freight, it's a whole new language, the jargon, the terminology, the trailer types. Yeah. Uh, 
you, you just you just have to be in a comfort zone. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think the thing that's great about what we've built down there is really you're in that comfort zone, but you're allowing the collaboration piece to hit into right. So you do hear those no's, and maybe you do get down, but you got your buddy right next to you that he's got a great call, and so you're feeding off that energy, and it builds you right back up. And you know, I saw a lot of new starts that come into to our place, which is you know what what's one thing that I can do as I come in to be prepared, and the biggest thing is just have a great attitude. And you got to let the nose roll off and you got to mm-hmm. continue to celebrate the wins in any capacity. And whether that's your buddy that's winning or whether that's you that's winning, everything that you do inside of that to floor down there is all about the team environment where everybody feels a part of this. And I think, you know, the, the, the reason that freight brokerage is so cool from a sales piece is because there really is this environment where it's not a I win, you lose type of environment. Mm-hmm. We're not going after the same stuff. It's you win. I win, I win, you win. We celebrate together and we build each other up together. And the old saying of, you know, high tide raises all boats. Yes. Well, freight brokerage, that is that is more prevalent than any other industry in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right with that. And one of the is you know, when you talk about pricing, right? No two loads are really priced the same. You really have to have that collaboration, that, that team mentality and being around other people, seeing what they're selling loads for, Absolutely. what they're negotiating with Absolutely. carriers for, because that's how you learn the market. Absolutely. And there's just no way to do that in isolation. Absolutely. A lot of other businesses, you have a, a price list, right? Yeah. Fixed price list, doesn't matter. But you're training transportation as a freight brokerage. Right. That that price is moving day to day, hour to hour. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And I think that's what's so uh, interesting is you do bring a lot of these new folks in and you try to teach them some components of, of pricing or, or different elements of the business. And a lot of this is just get in and do it. You'll yeah. experience this. And once you do, you're going to make a whole bunch of mistakes. That's okay. <laughs> that's all right. We've all done it. Um, but those, those mistakes and those experiences is the ability to turn around to your buddy and go, hey, man. This is how I price this. I just lost. What do I do next time? And now you can turn around and figure out what happened on that piece, right? Yeah. And you didn't see this coming. You didn't experience this piece. So let me tell you about this. Or, the, you know, the best part about that is somebody that comes in and they do their first drive-in and then all of a sudden they get a reefer load and they price it the exact same way. It's like, ah, you know, basics, man. But yeah. um, those are components that we just love. Uh, as you walk around the floor, you feel the kind of energy that happens when those mistakes happen. And the natural coaching that takes place with other team members that are around them versus just a leader having to come down and coach somebody. You're exactly right. I remember the the first time someone ever gave me freight to move. I was so excited, you know, you're on the phone, you're telling them, yeah. it's big time. Yeah. It's like, hey, <clears throat> company XYZ. And two of the people right next to me started laughing, like, good luck. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, all right. And they're exactly right. Good yeah. luck with that. Yeah. Because sometimes that's a new rep, you get the bad customers. Yeah. Um, but but it's good to, to know, you know, they're, they're pricing freight and you're over here in osmosis. You're just absorbing everything. Yeah. <clears throat> it really helps have that learning curve. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And I, I think some of the stuff that, that we pride ourselves on is we love that environment where it is the coaching that happens on the floor together with your other team members um, because there's a lot of value that comes in that. It's not just a leader saying, hey, you made a mistake here. And maybe there's some, you know, if we're doing our leadership right, it should never be a kind of, a barrier for that person to understand what the leader's trying to say. But if you have a friend that walks over and goes, Hey man, probably did that a little bad. Like, let me help you out with this. That's a different element. And now I'm going to take feedback from my partner that's next to me. And I'm going to learn from that in a much easier manner. I'm going to go off and I'm probably pretty successful. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Um, so that's a lot of what we focus on down there. And that's, that's really why we have the floor set up the way we do. It's why we have the manager set up the way we do. Uh, but it, it, at the end of the day, like our job is to break every barrier so that rep that's sitting in that seat can
can do their job. They feel free. They can have fun. They can experience winning. Um, and I, I joke all the time, like winning, when you drive into the parking lot and you see those new cars and you hear about the new houses and you hear about all that stuff, there's some winning aspect to, uh, to what we do. And you know, for a 22 year old that's coming out of college and they see that stuff, they get pretty pumped up about that. So you do you get very pumped up about it. You have to go through those. Nerves. That's right. You have to get those notes. Got to, got to get those war stories. That's exactly I right. Know. And especially right now, I mean, I, I imagine there's a few people that you have down there. There's a lot of people in the industry right now. have never seen a down market yeah. that they came in during COVID. Yeah. It's been such a bull market for two, two and a half years. We're talking about right before we hit record peak season this year. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, but a down selling into a down market is is entirely different. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's an interesting piece is because you know we a lot of our folks, especially how we built up this brokerage, really it's been a 2020 play onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and 2020 was through the roof, and no one, you know, every time you call somebody, they're they're straight to move, and mm-hmm. it's it's a different element. I think we're starting to experience some of that with folks having to figure out that customer acquisition actually is super hard. It's super hard to get a customer, and then super hard to keep that customer. And so what you do uh, today is, is even different than what you did a year ago when you first came in and you were winning all these new customers. And so it's figuring out what that looks like and how to train into that, especially when somebody's been here for a year and they, quote unquote, they, they know it, they've seen it. They haven't seen anything yet until they've kind of gone through all those cycles of the freight market. And that's what's great about freight is that the market's constantly moving and mm-hmm. it's our ability to kind of think ahead and see around corners uh, that makes a lot of what we do fun and exciting, but also nerve wracking at the same time. And you're seeing a lot of folks down there pulling out their hair right now because, you know, they're trying to get that customer and it's it's hard now. It's it, really it is, hard. It is hard. And it goes back to collaboration. It's These are the times where it's really important. Yeah, absolutely. When you have a, a turning market, you know, right? And you can strategize, lean on your teammates, you can share and collaborate and learn together because uh, what we got your customers a year ago, it's not going to be the same. Yeah, I, I think that's what's super interesting about that is because you're having conversations now where, you know, a year ago, I was winning on every load. I took every yeah. single one. There wasn't a single conversation. Maybe there's a conversation about a margin piece, uh, you know, maybe this margin versus that margin. Now you're having conversations about Hey, I'm losing on these. What's it going to take? And what's the strategy related to that as I come out of this year? And what's that kind of look like? And I know we're going to get into some market conversations, but that's a lot of the conversations with a lot of these folks is, hey, what, what you're doing today has to be baked into the long-term play on a given customer, right? And, and if we're really about the service, it's going to prove it now because getting that customer, they're having a thousand brokers call them every mm-hmm. single day at saying the exact same thing. And what you did to win last year is not the same as this year. And so you better have that service component dialed in because if you say, hey, service is king, and you don't have the service, well, they're going to turn around and go right back to that other broker and, and go with somebody else and you're going to lose that customer. I think that's what you're finding a lot today. You're exactly right. And that's why I hear from every freight broker that I talk to is that it's back to service levels. Yep. Yep. Last year's service level was just give me a truck. Yeah. I don't care. Just the, move the freight. You just yeah. move the freight. That's the it. value of getting a truck and moving the freight was so high that no one looked at anything Correct. else. Well, the value of getting a truck and moving that freight right now is almost zero. Yeah. Right. Because anyone can do it. Yep. It's that service level, that commitment, certainly doing what you say, um, you know, under promising over delivering maybe is, is part of that. But, but making sure that the entire process is as frictionless as, as possible yeah. is key. 
Yeah, and I think what we're seeing really in the market today is the fact that we, we talk a lot about service, but I think a lot of customers, what they want to see is like, put your money where your mouth is and are you actually going to deliver? And if you do, guess what? Next year, I'll reward you and there'll be an RFP. There'll be a pricing event that you guys can participate in. But if you're not willing to play ball in this environment today and service at all costs, well, then you're not going to be able to play ball next year when there actually is freight. And that's that's kind of the the dilemma that a lot of these folks are in today is, yeah, we talk about service for the longest time, but at the same time, being able to deliver that at the time that we're at right now mm -hmm. is completely different. And if you're not able to do that, then you can kiss your chances of participating in this RFP next year gone. They're, they're not going to be there next year. Delve a little bit more into the RFP season this year. What are you saying? What are some of the highlights? What are some of the changes in the market? You detailed a yeah. couple of them right there, but let's, let's specifically talk about RFPs right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that uh, I think we're seeing a lot of RFP events occur, and I think they're occurring in a faster manner than we've ever seen before. I think you're seeing a lot of customers that uh, a lot of ours have pulled away from this idea of long-term RFPs and pulled more into the short-term so, so we're seeing a shorter duration. Yep, that's you're exactly right. That. And I think a lot of them are willing to talk through quarterly RFPs, right? Hey, we don't know what's going to happen in the next quarter. You don't know what's going to happen. So let's do an RFP that protects us both. Um, and let's do a quarterly RFP. And you're starting to see that piece roll out. I do see a lot of shippers that are saying, hey, come Q2 next year, you're probably going to get back into the regular cadence in terms of what we would expect on RFPs. But for right now, because no one knows what's going to happen, we're not willing to commit to anything. And we want you guys to service us mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that whatever you commit to you actually do service um and so we're hearing a lot more about that kind of prime tender acceptance quarterly rfps and being able to if you do that be able to step into next year when they do a full term uh, rfp being able to participate in those that's part of the gig you know it's it's part of any sales gig right it's it's, it's building trust yeah. and getting your foot in the door building trust over time and that's what shippers are asking for you right now and just have to work. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, a lot of us in sales talk about the long mm -hmm. game, right? Let's play the long game. Well, you're figuring out what the long game really is right now um, because a shipper really at the current day that we're in right now, mm -hmm. um, they have their fair share of what whatever they want to go do. And if you mess up on a single load, you're hearing conversations from shippers today that we really haven't had uh, in the past year, year and a half. And I think that's a very interesting time to be in. It is. I remember those markets. I, I really remember those markets. Uh, 2017 being one yes. of those markets, right? That, yeah. that was a tough market. Yeah. And uh, you, you had to perform. Yep. You, you had to perform because you could get a truck. Anyone could get a truck. Anyone could do bargain basement prices, yep. right? You had to add value over right. over that rate right. because the rates were so low and everybody yep. was competing so much. Yep. Uh, but then you have to do it. It's that follow through. And that's, yeah. that's the toughest part. I, I think I've had, uh, you know, we've gone through multiple conversations with customers where we lay out our full kind of value prop and we've gone through the full value prop. And I've had customers look me right in the eye and say, that's all great. Can you actually do what you say you're going to do? And if you can't, what's in the conversation right now? And I don't care about your pricing. And I think that, 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 that's, that's exactly where we want to be from a freight brokerage because, okay, service is king. Let's go do it. But I think at the end of the day, like shippers truly are looking for that service level uh, today, more so than they've looked in the past year, year and a half. Oh, yeah, that, definitely. Which brings us into to peak season yeah. and kind of what we're seeing for peak season, because peak season is, uh, I mean, it's certainly it's the reason why we're talking about a down market yeah. and what's happening. And do you think that But before we even get into peak season, do you think we've we had peak season earlier this year and maybe... 
or, or what's your thought? I, yeah, I mean, I, I think we've I think we've seen blips. I mean, produce season was definitely a blip in terms of customers that we've had, mm-hmm. um, and I think that we saw some peaks uh, in terms of that. Um, I think that the inventory push that everybody was talking about, I think we saw some of that, um, but I think we saw the the other side of it too, which is you know large customers. Um, canceling a ton of POs because inventory levels were through the roof or large customers asking for storage trailers because they just didn't have the room for that inventory. Um, and so I think that we've, we've seen blips of what we thought was going to be a peak season or what we thought was going to happen. Uh, but in the end, it's kind of just been this very small blip on the radar and nothing's really materialized from an overall peak season. Do you think 2021 was... Well, like this is the hangover of the 2021 peak season that there's inventory still hanging around. That's, you know, because of the, you know, you're canceling a lot of purchase yeah. orders, you're doing a lot of this, it just evaporated. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that the purchasing habits related to a lot of these customers, um, I think completely changed when COVID hit. And okay. a lot of us, you know, went off and, and thought inventory levels needed to be raised through the roof. Mm-hmm. And I think what you see is the effect of six months to maybe 12 months of conversations that happened yeah. and you're starting to see the true effects of that kind of materialize. So if I turn around and see 12 months ago, where mm-hmm. were we? I think that the, com- the the purchasing pieces that happened 12 months ago are starting to materialize today. And I think that that's a big uh, component of what we're seeing. And I think that what we're doing today is going to materialize probably six months from now, which is probably that Q1, Q2 of next year, where we'll start to see some pieces. So I think from a pure inventory management perspective, are we seeing a hangover from 2021? A little bit. But I also think that, you know, the e-commerce days that we saw in 2021 have gone away. And now we're changing that thought process. I think that the consumer is buying differently. I think inflation has definitely hindered that piece, right? Where you go to the store and you still pay the same $200, but your $200 is now all spent on CPG type stuff mm-hmm. versus, you know, I was spending $50 on CPG and 150 on video games and things like that. I think a lot of that has shifted, and I think that's causing some of these issues. Um, but I, I truly think that if, if I'm a buyer in a supply chain right now, like I'm pulling out my hair because I don't know which way the consumer is going to go next year, and I'm trying to figure out what that looks like next year. Yeah, so and that's a very good point if you're a buyer in the supply chain, right? If, if you're a company reporting earnings, whether you're a CPG company or more discretionary, you're having the – and you mentioned both of those, right? Yeah. You mentioned those two very – Difficult conversations with vendors, yeah. right? And part of that is shifting of consumer demand yep. and inflation, yeah. price hikes. Yep. You're defending yourself against price hikes. People are buying less yeah. physical, tangible goods right now. And then all of a sudden, you know, where, where does peak season go? Yeah. Where does peak season go? Yeah, I think, uh, I think this year is, uh, I think you're seeing the leveling out of peak. Um, I think this will be the year of kind of, definitive, you know, what does a quote unquote end of COVID peak kind of look like? I think next year it probably starts to get back into some regular cadence in terms of how buying habits happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that, I mean, with inflationary concerns and kind of what the Fed has doing, um, that's about a six month lag in terms of when we'll see the effects. So that's I think, the wild part. Right? Yeah. That I think is... next year, about summertime, we'll see the effects of what the Fed did and right, wrong, and difference. We're going to see the effects of it. And I think that's going to set us up for, for next year's peak in terms of what happens. We, we are going to see it. And we might not like what we see, actually. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's the thing. Because, yeah. I mean, that the, the Fed, that they're raising interest rates to stop inflation. Yep. Part of the, the, the data points that they're looking at is unemployment. Yep. And they're trying to stoke higher unemployment. Yeah. So once you get into the six months from now, 
maybe they're wildly successful, even too successful yeah. in stoking unemployment. In, in correct, correct. I think, I mean, listen, you know, the, the, the COVID pieces in terms of even what the Stone household was doing in terms of our buying habits mm-hmm. during COVID were, were not well, uh, we're not beneficial to anybody, right? And we, we have to stop spending. And I think that's the biggest thing. And so, you know, the metric that I always look at is what is that consumer credit card doing? Are we continuously yes. spending or we have, we started to pull back on what that credit card looks like and started to do more in terms of actual savings. And I think that's the piece that I continuously look for is yes, inflation is hitting, but that credit card continues to to increase. And I think that's going to be the conversation as we kind of go into next year. Was the, the growth in in Credit card debt was 15 year high. Yeah, so it was, it was that yeah. the, the headline yeah. from last week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think tells you. I, I think that's that answers the question. I know, right? and that, and that's that's American consumers, and I think that's what uh, we're notorious for is hey, we're just going to go put it on the card, and uh, we'll deal with this stuff later. And I think eventually, we're probably going to have to pay the man. And I think that at the end of the day, something happens next year, and. What that is, I think we're all kind of guessing. I think we, mm-hmm. you know, we see the signs and we try to read the stuff. And, and even you know, you and me have had conversations about: Are we truly in a recession or not? Well, if jobs continue to increase, are we really in that recession? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know either. <laughs> I mean, are we going to put ourselves in a recession? Yeah. I mean, because that's it's kind of the goal. Yes. You know, the, the unspoken goal, which I mean, maybe it is spoken, but it's, it's kind of that that hard truth that no one really wants to, to talk about is that. So the interest rate that the Fed is trying to create a recession, and the recession is to taper down inflation. Right. And that might happen in the, the second half of next year, yeah. which, I mean, are we in a recession or not? You yeah. know, we're kind of changing patterns all over the place. Will we, will we be in a recession next year? Yeah, I think Maybe. I think if I'm sitting, and, and obviously we, we are, but if I'm sitting in a freight brokerage piece and I'm thinking mm-hmm. about sales, right, like this is... I'm, I'm licking my chops because this is yeah. prime opportunity for me to step in and do everything I say I'm going to do. I think it's prime opportunity for me to go after CPG type customers, mm-hmm. right? Or the paper, yes. paper towels, they don't go away. Um, we still need the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, and really that's what transportation is all about, right? Is transportation yeah. is all about movement of basic goods from one location to another, right? And so from a freight brokerage perspective, you know, do, do I hope some of that happens? No, because you know, I like the economy the way it is, yeah. but at the same point, do I sit back and go, this is a prime opportunity because I know that certain fleets may go away. I know that certain customers may need some additional support because their normal transportation provider may not be able to support that. Yeah, that's where you know a, a, a company like Ryder can step in, support, provide that level of value to that customer um, and turn around and, uh, and you know kind of wait this thing out as, uh, as we all are, are trying to figure out what happens next year. As we all... Sit around trying to, and as a freight broker, as a salesperson, you have to uh, you have to be realistic, yeah. but an optimistic. Correct. Well. You can't Correct. get you can't get down. Yeah. You got to think about the, the opportunities and challenges, and how you can uh, how you can create something out of chaos. Yeah, I think you know if 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 I'm a if I'm a sales guy sitting there and I'm thinking through you know my book of business, maybe it's all flatbed housing material stuff, right? And as I start to hear recession or I start to hear, you know, inflation or I hear any of these words, sales fall. Yeah. New builds going correct. Down. I turn around and go, this is my book of business. Mm-hmm. It's up to me to go diversify yeah. just like I would a portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. I got to go diversify it and I got to go find those other customers that continuously ship because there's constantly things that are moving. It's just a matter of finding it. And truthfully, that's what makes this business so much fun yeah. is that you do almost get to be this kind of 
you know, investigator of who is actually shipping today, who is moving product. Um, and I tell people all the time, like, look at your own spending habits, you know, as you kind of take your normal paycheck and you go out in the market, what are you buying today? Well, I'm buying this, this, and this. Great. Those are probably the same things that your buddies down the street are buying or that, you know, yep. the people you graduated college are buying. So it's a matter of figuring that stuff out and going down that route. Mm-hmm. But I think for, you know, us that sit kind of in this level of like, let's go evaluate all this data. It's kind of scary to look at, but at the same time, it's super simple. Go after the things that people are buying on a day-to-day basis Go make the entry into those. Go win the business today because tomorrow, when things do turn around, they're going to look back at who provided the service for them during this period of time of down, and they're going to turn around and reward those guys that that are coming out of it. Like this isn't the great thing about this industry is it's not rocket science. It's super simple to understand, hard to execute, right? Mm -hmm. Simple, not easy. But at the same time, like if you can do this and do it well, and now all of a sudden when those home sales do come back and you have that flatbed crew of folks that you know to go to. Well, now you're off to the races and that's where the real fun and excitement comes because now you got it coming from both sides. It, it is. And it's a, it's a, this down market's going to be followed by the up market yes. where you get rewarded. every time. You have to play. <laughs> I know, right? It, happens it does. every time. It happens every time. And this is, this is where you build your book yeah. so you can reap the rewards. Yep. Yep. You know, you do things the right way so you can reap the rewards. That's exactly it. David, thank you so much for joining us on Put That Coffee Down today. It's been fun. It's been great around the office and uh, we'll do it again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expenses because when is expensive. I got expenses because when is expensive. I've been getting out of work. And I've been shutting down.